Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the Raptors of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, the Senior Marketing Manager from Visit Aurora. The idea of nourishing a community can be taken literally or figuratively depending on your approach. James Grievous has embraced all of the above through his Rebel Marketplace, a local wellness market here in the heart of Aurora. James, it's a pleasure to meet you. Yeah, thank you, David, for having me on. Uh, and it's exciting to share our story here. Pardon the pun, but the, the roots of Rebel Marketplace started far before you landed at Del Mar Park. How did Rebels in the Garden come about? Yeah, I, I get asked that quite a bit. Um, it's a weird story. I think it just happened, you know, pardon the pun, organically. <laughs> um, it was, I'm prior military, so I do have a connection to aviation, which, you know, we're sitting here in the Stanley right now. There you go. Um, but I was on the deployment to South Korea, um, and on my way back, they do give you some downtime, and um, I had my kids and a few other neighborhood children in the area um, that just were not doing anything. And I had some downtime. So we started growing. We called ourselves Rebels in the Garden. Um, but as the kids started getting older around, you know, they were in their teenage years and things like that. We wanted to, you know, introduce business principles, that sort of stuff. So we started to, uh, hey, let's do our own market, I guess. And it, that just happened organically. We just started working with the city in 2020 to kind of get things rolling. Um, we started off with seven vendors. The kids were there with us. And we just started from there. And it just grew. And here we are talking to you right now. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how Rebels in the Garden started in the marketplace together. On your website, you proclaim that, you know, we don't garden, we we grow food. Mm -hmm. uh, why was it important for you to teach the kids in your family to start off about growing food? Yeah, I think it was um, a lot of different things. Mainly, I was inspired by Ron Finley. I'm not sure if many know about who Ron Finley is, no. but he did a, a real famous TED Talk about um, gardening in, in LA. So anyways, long story, you guys can look it up for yourself. But he was a a masculine man who was a black man that was gardening in the area and that stigma with garden sometimes when we were going into it was you know I you know I'm coming from the military I'm a mechanic I was like right. I want to be a gardener so we grow food but uh how, why we picked that was more of um the kids were little and I needed something from the do and we could have you know fixed cars or did things like that like you know typical stuff but uh I don't know something just struck me to say let's come do the gardening thing and and go from there it's just a hobby and it just I just took root. I call it the gateway drug. And as soon as you get bit, it's, it's a wrap. So yeah, there's no rhyme and reason to it, to be quite honest with you. There's no rhyme and reason. We just started something. Uh, you mentioned yeah. that you're a veteran, uh, master sergeant, and F-16 mechanic. Mm -hmm. Rebels in the Garden was, was put on hold as you were deployed to Japan. Mm -hmm. Did that military training and precision assist you as a leader of young people? Um, yeah, I, I would say it's helped me more so um, in the development of the businesses and the discipline it takes to farm and all that. Um, now, as far as leading my the kids and things, I would say yeah, um, but still, it's you can't always apply that type of model that the military provides right. to youth in a way I don't think it really works that effective um, other than like the the consistency and the discipline to be there all the time when they need you but uh, of course it plays a role it's in my fabric and DNA but I don't think it played a crucial role so how do you navigate those waters is it about talking to kids in their language is it about kind of exploring their passions and trying to cultivate that how do you cultivate that service Really, at the end of the day, it's it's just service. I'm just showing that there's this is an option. So from the kids on uh, my kids level, this is an option. You may not want to be a gardener. You may not want to do this. However, this is a uh, option that you can pursue. And there's healing. There's so many other little subsets that you can do. I mean, we're learning how to talk to customers X, Y, and Z. So I'm not um, 
exuding dominance or like trying to lead them. I'm just showing them. Now, outside of the rest of the, the community, it's just more of a service work um, and just interacting with people and listening and seeing what they want and seeing how I can provide value. And it's really that simple. And part of that service is showing an investment in your own community and showing investment in your people. There are global forces, there are market forces that are outside of our control. Right. But here's an opportunity to create an, an ecosystem that we do have control over and to, and to take ownership. And I think ingraining those values in young people is really important for establishing future generations and yep. their pride in their communities. Yep. No, absolutely. You said it just right there. Um, yeah, so many things going on and we're just so bombarded with all this external stuff. Um, but we forget and we can just look around at our resources. These are garden principles, right? Yeah. What do I have? What what can I use? <laughs> what are my capa uh, capacity? And you grow something out of those limited resources that you have and you expand that out to your community. And there's just a wealth of there's an abundance um, if we all work together and we all kind of concentrate our efforts. Um, and that's where Rebel Marketplace came from is more of we do produce food in the mm -hmm. cities. Right. But we're just so siloed and we have gardens in each room and we grow abundance in our own homes. But if we can consolidate and work together as a community, we will have abundance. There's also a frustrating thing about American society where we all decided collectively that it was better to grow grass and, you know, grow something that was aesthetically pleasing, but right. doesn't particularly serve us. You know, there's really an opportunity with the vast amount of land that our country has where we could be cultivating our own food in a responsible way and not necessarily relying on factory farming and, and maybe yeah. things that are, are not as, as sustainable. It's kind of unfortunate that that's ingrained in the culture of America, I imagine. Right, right. No, I think it's, um, yeah, we, we got away from the farming and we went to factories and we did all that. And we, you know, we put lawns on because we wanted to feel rich and all right. that. And, and, and it's great. There's nothing wrong with it. And grass does serve a purpose. It's a great mulch and yep. you know, water retention if we use it properly. So it's not a failed crop. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, we do have a lot of space, a lot of land. However, um, water is becoming an yes. issue, right? So even if we all decided to grow food in our front lawns, I think we still going to run into a water issue. So I think it's just important to be conscious of where your food comes from, not get disconnected from it. Mm -hmm. We don't need everybody to grow food because that's not everybody's purpose, right? Right. However, we do need to get back to basics and realize, hey, hey, this is fundamental to life and we need it for sure. In your time serving, you traveled to more than 20 countries. Mm -hmm. um, did observing the ways that those communities approach food production inspire you? And if so, how? It's crazy. Just from food production to markets even. Um, how we do markets here is very commercialized. It's uh, just a different experience. Not, it's not good or bad. It's just a different experience. You know, I was in Estonia, for example. Their mar model is kind of like what we have, but it's more of a community feel, not vendor-based. It's just kind of open markets. Taiwan. I went there a couple of years back and theirs is just crazy. It's just open market. I mean, you can have anything. I mean, fish. It's So it's great. So just seeing all of that is... It's just really unique because the, the possibilities are endless. You can do anything with uh, with the market as long as the community is involved with it. Is there any specific example that you that you took and said this is kind of the model that we're going to have for Rebel Marketplace, or is it kind of an amalgamation of experiences? I think it's a it's a it's a mix, right? Um, it's just trying to hit the the food access part. Like we, I saw again like in Korea in the um, the Asian cultures, where it's just hey, we're all bringing food and. Mm -hmm. 
and doing stuff mixed with my family's from um, New York. So I used to go back to Queens all the time. And even there in the big city, everybody was still in a community. People mm-hmm. knew that who they were. You would walk out and say, hey, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I still want to bring that community that they had in New York, along with markets from Asia and Estonia that I saw in different areas and kind of just see if I can recreate a, uh, a different version of that, right? So it's a work in progress, of course. The, the skills you're passing along go far beyond gardening, which by the way, can't be undersold, but you're also instilling a sense of self-reliance while also nurturing community support. You're teaching patience and responsibility and even business acumen and social skills. Was that the vision the entire time or are these just fruits that have sprung up from the initial work? It's just, again, organically, right? Everything is just, it just morphed. Mm -hmm. So um, we went in with the... uh, the idea that the community we were going to bring a bunch of food and it's going to be great, you know, gardener's paradise. In 2020, when everybody was gardening, growing food, it was great. But in 2021, I realized that we need to actually start developing more food in, in the area and actually aggregating it. So that's when I started the nonprofit to build more gardens, X, Y, Z. So it was basically on need-based as yeah. we go further and further, like, hey, this is an issue, let's fix it. This is an issue, let's fix it. Let's build it and just try to com- have a complete ecosystem is, was kind of the intent. Take me on that journey a little bit. How did you go from your backyard in Montbello to starting Rebel Marketplace at Del Mar Park? That, that was 2020, you know, kind of right as the pandemic is starting to hit. How how did that transition happen? Um, yeah, like I said, it was more of we had Rebels in the garden. Um, we were just growing our food, X, Y, and Z. So we were just going to do a farm stand. I don't know. I was just was like, hey, let's just do a market just out of the blue. So we just I just studied what a market was and all that <laughs> jazz and try to figure out what it is and went through all the steps and, and coordinated with the city, of course. And, you know, they're great right now. They're amazing. But they uh, they denied it at first, to be quite honest, um, because they just didn't know what I was trying to do. So we just took it from there and we worked with them. Um, and we're great partners now. And we just kind of, it just grew organically, man. Honestly, I, we just started. Yeah. We just went from there to there. And then as things and needs started to happen, we just added to it. Delmar Park seems like a perfect place to do it, too. You're kind of in the right. central heart of the city of Aurora was, mm-hmm. did that play into the decision? Yeah, that's my fault. Yeah, no, um, I live right up the street from Del Mar. Okay. So it was more of, this is where I live. How can I program the area? There's no farmer's market. There's no experience that I can take my family to unless I want to go to Southlands or, you know, Stanley Market up here or City Park. But for that central region, there's nothing. There's no market access. Fresh food is not there. So it's void. So I wanted to try and fill that void and bring communities to the central Aurora, right? To know that, hey, we're an urban garden hub is kind of the idea that we want to build. Did you have a green thumb growing up? Did this all come natural to you? How did you develop your skills? I, no, no, not at all. Not at all. I'm a city. I told you my family's from uh, originally from Queens. I'm first generation Colorado. I went to the military. Uh, I worked on helicopters and F-16s. I was an HVAC mechanic. Wow. <laughs> I never grew anything. But which also showed me like we all come from farmers. We're, yeah. We genetically have it in us. Um, it's just a lot of it's dormant. So we know intuitively when we see soil, when we see plants, it does something to us. It, it it links something up. So it's just the fact of putting your hand in your soil, it helps you remember, right, what's happening yeah. and what your forefathers and mothers did, you know, ancestors did back in the day. Part of what helped get the marketplace going, uh, you you started a GoFundMe campaign that had to feel good that your community saw your vision and supported it. Yeah, that was huge. Yeah, the GoFundMe. Yeah, I think we raised it was like $1,700 to kind of get the thing going. We offered the market for free for everybody. Um, that was cool just to see that we did have support. Mm-hmm. And it gave us the okay, like, all right, this is this is definitely needed. So, yeah, that was that was huge. And it definitely uh, launched us into the trajectory that we're in right now. 
the pandemic brought to light the fragile nature of the supply chains and our reliance on the global economy. Was the timing of rebel marketplace serendipitous in light of those revelations? I don't think we had that in mind at first. I think we were just doing it. Yeah, it just worked. It was, yeah, it was a perfect marriage. I guess it worked in divine alignment, but that wasn't our initial attempt. It was just like, we just need to do something. Yeah. Um, but hindsight, right? We're like, yeah, we definitely need this and we need more of them. So yeah. There's no secret that underserved communities are often nutritional deserts with limited access to food, mm -hmm. um, fresh produce and, and what is available is often cost prohibitive. Uh, you're also fighting against generations indoctrinated by marketing and, and budget constraints that rely on ultra processed, mass produced, nutrient deficient Franken foods, right? Right, right. So the, the use of rebel was intentional in your branding. <laughs> Do you feel a responsibility to fight against that through the, you know, those those institutions that are indoctrinating us through rebel marketplace? Um, I think, yeah. So I'm just in just for rebels, one, it's just my personality. I'm just highly rebellious. I've always have been. Like I said, I don't even know how I made it 17 years in the service. Uh, <laughs> but as as far as against something, I think a rebel is for, in my opinion, right? Yeah. I am for urban agriculture. I'm for our community. I'm for growing healthy food and sustainable food for the community. I don't think I have the energy or the time yeah. to fight against all of that jazz. Right. I'm just trying to pave a alternative parallel road that we can choose. Right. So I feel like that is probably a better use of my time mm -hmm. than just fighting, you know, Monsanto and all right. of that and all that jazz. It's just, hey, let's just build a new infrastructure. Let's put these things in place. Let's get the community involved so we can all participate in an alternative system. It's about being proactive, not reactive necessarily. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. Beats by James uh, might be my favorite crop you produce. Uh, are there certain crops you're surprised that grow well here and others not so well? What have you, what have you learned as you've grown as as a cultivator? Yeah, no. Uh, well, first thing I give a shout out to uh, to my wife um, Desiree. She coined that phrase uh, "Beats by James." Uh, that was funny, uh, which is great. Uh, but no, I would say beets is one of those things that I hated growing up uh, eating because it was always in the cans and stuff, and yeah. it was just gross. But um, so I really do enjoy growing beets, and I was very surprised about um, the community response to beets. And I was like, oh, you guys like that too. But as far as like failures, I would say spinach, man. Yeah. Me and spinach, man, if spinach was a person, <laughs> we'd probably be, uh, we're going to be fighting at some point on the street here. Uh, but yeah, spinach is, is a very tough crop. I haven't had any success with it. Uh, but I've been really good with uh, the beets, the root crops. I've been really good with our squashes. 2020 and 2021, I've just growing really good lettuce. Okay. Um, but for some reason last year in 2022 it was so hot. My lettuce was not very good. It was some issues with them, but, uh, yeah. So those are some of the challenges I've had so far. What is it about Colorado as a temperate zone that affects the farming? Is it, is it the clay soil? Is it the, the fact that we do have a real winter, but also a real summer? Like what are the factors that play into the success of your crops? Man, oh, I've only grown in Colorado. Yeah. So this is all I know. But how I see it is, is I, I view my garden as a boat. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I I, re, I get my boat to set for sail, right? And so as we go through the ocean from coast to coast, which is the growing season, there are so many storms that come in that you have to be prepared for. So I call them sails. So in the beginning of the season, I may have frost cover because we know we may get frost and uh, lay frost. Mm -hmm. You're constantly putting the sails on and off your crops. 
for the frost cover. Then we have hail comes, you know, and things like that. So you need to have hail cover. Then on top of that, then the sun comes in there. Last year was just so intense that now I need to put sails up for my shade cloth. So if we do need to have, even your tomatoes and things were getting beaten down and they need some, some relief. So Colorado is unique because we are very high in elevation. So it's dry, it's moderate, but very intense heat. It's very sun intense. Soils, again, I think you can uh, amend any soils for the most part. Um, but yeah, we are heavy on the clay, but pros and cons on clay, which is great. What moisture retention. Nice. Um, but uh, those, I would say the main things is putting those sails up, those fluctuations in temperature and just weather. Is the big one. When you start on a project like Rebel Marketplace and, mm. and you think about growing food, you think about the hard work that goes into it, but there's really a science to it as well. What's it, more difficult, the backbreaking work or getting the science right? I think this this science, the science, no, let me rephrase. I think the backbreaking work, right? Yeah. That's the taxing part. The science comes and there's so much to learn that you're never going to be there. But I always divert back to it's in your genes, man. We you yeah. know intuitively what's right. The science part is just how to grow a better crop and be more efficient. But we could it's just throw some stuff in there, water it, grow it, like make sure it don't die. It's <laughs> the main thing, right? Uh, but, you know, I would say that back-breaking labor, I'm 41 right now. Mm -hmm. My back is broke, right? It hurts. <laughs> My knees hurt. Um, so that is, I think, probably the most... Uh, Challenging play. Yeah, that, that happened to me when I crossed 40, 30 years of playing basketball, caught up real quick. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, what are some of the other things that your team grows that you're really proud of? Or, or you know, do you have stories of, of kids who are really excited or inspired when they grew something they they took pride in that? Ah, uh, man, I was doing a uh, community garden plot at the uh, Peoria Crossing. So it's a rural uh, housing uh, plot that I was managing last year. Um, and I was growing uh, purple beans. And uh, the kids never seen, you know, they're like, they never thought that green bean, or well, they're not green beans, they were purple beans. Right. Uh, that they came in purple so i remember it was, she was like probably four or five something real cute and she's like oh my god is it? It's, it, it i had it on camera and everything else so that was really cool to to show the kids that like crops come in all different colors i gave them a radish one time they didn't like it they, everybody was spitting it out yeah. so that came to show me that our uh taste buds are ruined oh yeah our kids taste buds are ruined um i was offering really delicious food to people some guy was smoking a cigarette for example smoking a cigarette drinking a beer i said hey brother hey um, have some, here's a radish for it. Just try it. And he's fighting me. <laughs> and he finally bit it. He's just like, ah, it's all good. But wait, hold on. You prefer the cigarette <laughs> over in a beer over a radish, for example. Right. And so it's just, it's just eye opening that we need to really rethink what we're eating and what we're doing. Were you always uh, kind of health conscious or has your palate evolved through this a little bit? Yeah. Um, my palate has evolved. I am not. I call it the mechanics car syndrome, right? I'm making sure everybody else's health is good and mine's probably needs some work, right? Because, yeah. you know, so I don't eat nearly as much vegetables as I probably am preaching right now, but it does. I have a better appreciation um, for our food, mainly, like I said, um, when I first grew my tomato and just really realized that, oh, wow, this is completely different mm -hmm. than what we're getting in the grocery stores. Even from cutting it, it cuts like, you know, very firm. It doesn't mush all over right. the place so my palate definitely did change in that um my it's changed dramatically i don't eat as much meat and all that jazz but it's it's played a part for real you have said days that the marketplace is open throughout the summer and fall but mm -hmm. there's a lot more work that goes into it um how does yeah. the cycle of the growing season work for you and your and your rebels um for the garden or for the market for the fall well, for both i mean that what is kind of the the cycle for you yeah so the cycle basically begins 
it's all year round. Even though we don't grow all year, but it's an all year round pr uh, process. So um, obviously the market opens on May 13th and we run from May to October. So probably about two months before that right now in our season, we are um, taking on vendors, we're building new systems, we're putting in grants, we're doing all that stuff, the, the front end work, and then we'll run the market. Um, as far as growing goes, at the end of October, that's kind of where we try to rest, but we reevaluate what we're right, what we're wrong, what new infrastructure we need. January, we're planning. February, we should probably have some seedlings in, mm -hmm. um, planting programs, those sorts of stuff. March, I'm hitting the field. We're planting, getting the soil ready. April, it's almost full throttle around right. April. Um, and then May, now we're off to the races. In summertime, we just trying to survive. <laughs> and how frequent are the, the market days? So the market days, um, we're just doing the first and third Saturdays of every month. Okay. Uh, mainly that is due to food production. Yeah. So we need to be able to replenish our, our stock. So we're not able to do every Saturday as of now. So we're just doing first and thirds. Uh, the reach of the marketplace has grown, though. You invite local vendors to participate in the marketplace. You even recently hosted a business development course for farmers and food producers. What What is your vision for the future? Where do we grow from here? Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm overwhelmed as it is right now. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, I'm taking all too much. But no, I think the thing is just like we said, this is a system that we are trying to build, yeah. right? We need vendors in the neighborhood to know how to run businesses, be successful at these markets. We need the market to grow so they, they can be successful and, you know, they can take this money and back into Aurora's economy and hopefully purchase homes and storefronts and all of that stuff. So I see us as more of like an elementary step for business development, right? I'm not, a, I'm not, we're not college or nothing. This is, hey, come to elementary, learn how to do your marketing, your business skills, customer relations, and hopefully want to push you into the Stanley, for example, or, you know, a brick and mortar on, in Aurora somewhere. So that's kind of the intent. It's these types of investments in our community, you know, even on your scale, which you're, you're being very humble about, but this important important for, for growing what a community is. What does this community mean to you in particular? Aurora, um, as a community, what does it represent to you and what does it mean to you to bring value to it? Like I said, I think this is a stronghold in, in, in my opinion. This is a gentrification stronghold zone. Um, so this, this is where I live. Um, this is where my community lives. This is where I'm raising my children. And I don't want to flee this neighborhood for better uh, amenities and accommodations. Right. So if it's void here, I think it's my responsibility as a resident, as a man um, to go ahead and, and carve way um, for other people to actually have these amenities and have these same stuff that other communities do have. Um, so it means a lot to me to just try to bring value and to bring service to areas that are often overlooked. Social economics aren't there. Nobody wants to come in and bring any value, those sorts of things. So I take offense to that because, like I said, I like that stuff. Right. I want to take my kids and, and do all these things, but I just don't have access to it unless I want to drive into somebody else's neighborhood. And I don't want to do that. So uh, so it's very important to me that we uh, stay here and that we grow this business and we grow this community for sure. You've uh, passed along a lot of wisdom and skill over these last eight years or so, but what are some of the lessons that you've taken personally during this time? How have you grown? I would say just learning to really collaborate, I think is the main one, um, to just let go and say, okay, man, do you need help? Is the big one, right? So we, we start off and we're saying, we're just going to do it ourselves and this is going to be our little baby and whoop de whoop. Um, but I think collaborating with other people, linking up, it can definitely dramatically expand um, your reach and your capacity and what you're able to achieve. Sitting here at the podcast with you is, is helpful. I've been working with Food Justice Northwest Aurora, which is a huge collaborative effort for this neighborhood, which you'll see at this market is part of it. And we'll have a lot more resources and a lot more um, things that people can do. So yeah, definitely, I would say those are the two main ones. How can folks listening right now in the community get involved with Rebel Marketplace? They're inspired. They want, they want to be a part of this. Apply 
to be a vendor. If you are growing food, we're looking for gardeners, micro gardeners that want to provide value in food. That's what we're looking for right now is food. But also we need people to come and show up and support yep. um, these vendors. Uh, they, they do put a lot of work into what they're doing. We're trying to keep this alive. Um, we want to um, show that we can support this neighborhood effectively. Um, so yes, definitely. If you can't be a vendor and you got a little extra time and some money, bring your family out um, and support the vendors for sure. One of the phrases you see frequently in your social media posts is service is in the blood. Can you expound on that a little bit for me? I mean, that comes from the military. Um, my dad was a government employee. Uh, it's it's just in the blood. I think it's in all of our bloods, right? We all, you're, you're doing a service right now. Yeah, it's just in the blood. I think we just need to acknowledge the fact that service is the, the intent of every single business, right? And we just need to acknowledge that we are here for value and to provide that value as a service to our community. And so that way it can circulate around is the, the idea. So military component of it, that's a unified, that's a big scale service component. Now we're just bringing it down to the, the community level. James Grievous, the founder and owner of uh, Rebels in the Garden and, and Rebel Marketplace. Wanna thank you so much for taking the time today. You're doing great work for our community and it can't be understated, I think the impact that you're having and we just hope that it grows and grows from here. Right on, David. I appreciate you having me, and uh, hopefully this won't be the last time. Not at all. <laughs> Learn more about Rebels in the Garden at GardenRebels.com, and also visit Rebel Marketplace at RebelMarketplace.com, and make sure to follow along on Instagram at Rebel underscore Marketplace. Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's convention and visitors bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75 plus hotel properties with 13,500 plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250 plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.